0: This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale.
1: Kent? Yes? Jacob? Yeah? Do you guys know what happens when the inmates run the asylum? I'm not sure. You, oh, no, no. I know this. You get uh, that weird cereal. What? Sorry. <laughs> should just go on. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> what was the guy who
2: ran... But
0: also, it was in the cereal? also you cereal. get that weird
1: cereal. I think They're he's not- meaning Kellogg's.
2: Kellogg's. Oh. No, oh, yeah, the oh. cornflakes. call back to our cereal show. But uh, grape, grape Nuts. Yeah. Jake, that is like the most inside of all inside jokes <laughs> that was that like, done. Where, where are we going with this? But welcome to Bacon Cell. I am Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Jacob, who can't remember the name of Grape Nuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's actually... <laughs> I think it's like in your personal bio.
2: <laughs> it is. It should yeah.
1: be. So we'd like to thank you for listening to our Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark episode that we did last time. So much we fun. We had fun to putting together. Kent did a fantastic job. Uh, oh, thank you. It audio was, editing after. It a labor of love. He put in music. He put in sound effects. It that sounded is, so much cooler. I heard from a lot of people that is a tier one show if there ever was one. Well, and I was amazed. Both was some really strong, like, positive feedback. It yeah. was nice. People had flashbacks to their childhood. I remember Laura saying this was a total. Uh, Laura from Life on the Rocks, please. Seizures. They had seizures. She said this is a, li- a flashback to Flash- my and loved it. And then uh, we had actually uh, Miss McKenna Jane on Twitter said, I didn't realize how well I remembered these stories until I heard them again. It took me 10 years to get frickin' Harold out of my head. And now I'm going to have nightmares again. <laughs> She's so right. And it's frickin' Harold. He <laughs> it's is actually the worst. frickin' Harold what she said here. I was, uh, yeah. I should you were that. editing from yeah. frickin'. Yeah. From frickin' <laughs> <freaking> to frickin'. <laughs> to frickin'. <laughs> I just read it wrong. But it was fun for us to do. We hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, it's, it's this season. It's just fun to kind of creep each other out. Out. yes so we had fun with that we you know who knows maybe we'll do like a part two where we do some more categories is that why you're stores. recording
0: this episode in a
2: mask
1: yes and we're in the dark It is freaking it
2: makes me feel
1: more secure <laughs> we're
2: in the dark still by the way guys yeah I don't know why we decided to keep the lights
1: off is again. This a, is this a tradition maybe it's a Halloween thing someone Ooh. light the candles but uh, we also have some shout outs we'd like to give yes we do because we have some new patrons <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. That's the the patron song. <laughs> whoop, 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 Is whoop, whoop, the call whoop, 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 the patron call? <laughs> <laughs> patron call. Patrons assemble. <laughs> no, we'd like to give a shout out to Jake Hunter. Jake, thank you thanks. for being a patron. Yeah, of thanks, Vegas Jake. Sale. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, oh, yeah. I also, don't get to say that much. I'm
2: gonna get your name right this time, Valerie. It's Valerie Ilguth. 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 I said Ilguth that last sounded time. Right. That really. You said it's, When were you saying? Her name. Ilguth. Because I said on Radio Ronan. Oh, she's also a patron there. But I said Ilguth. And she said, "It's like ilgut, but with a." Th-
1: there you go. We love it when we add pronunciations. That's cool. All right, Jacob, go pronounce that one. Uh, Kimberly McEwen. Very well good. Done. Good well done. Good job. Good job. And uh, thank you, Kimberly, for being a patron of Bankcell. Thanks, Cell. Kimberly. Uh-huh. And then we have Mike Hales. Mikey Mike. Hales. Is it Mikey. It's Mikey. Mike. I call him Mikey. You know him? Uh, I, on social media. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Mike. Go, Mike, Mikey. Mike.
2: I, I, next time I'm calling you Mikey, just to make this. <laughs> He's look like right. no one but my mom calls me Mikey. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ken. But thank you, Mike. And then finally, we have Paula Greenwell-Mollis. Thank you, Paula. Thanks, Paula. Yeah. So there we go. All five this week... um I'm really mad at the five of you actually because I was feeling really <laughs> confident. I've had a lot of spare time to draw some pictures of people and I've reached out to m- to many of you. If if uh, we by the way
1: clarify he's he's drawing pictures of people for a contest we're doing. No, no,
2: everyone who's a fan, I just draw the, I I stalk them and draw them. No, if you're a patron in this month and I don't want to say too much about it because we have, but I am drawing you in a Halloween setting or theme and so if I haven't reached out to you, I will very soon and get back to me because I'll be drawing these hopefully by the end of the month. Yeah, you're really stressing Kent out. Uh, yeah, we've, the we've gotten
0: uh, like several new patrons this month and uh, he's and lost K- so much weight. Kent's, <laughs> Kent's behind. Yeah, like the hair's falling out, the weight's
1: coming down. And it's I have like lead poisoning as well now, which is kind of weird. Yeah, from oh, pencil. Oh, that's, this, stuff, yeah. that's weird. But yes, you have nine days from the airing of this episode to be part of our contest, which is follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You could win Psycho on Blu-ray become a patron and you get a picture of you halloweenified by kent indeed and you have a chance to win the ultimate alfred hitchcock collection on blu-ray so good yeah which by the way i want to say this again so many people have been watching hitchcock since our show really like people have been texting me and we've been getting messages uh saying they've watched uh, aubrey larson just said she watched rear window and uh, loved awesome. it my brother just barely texted me right now and said he was watching to catch a thief and so people are actually getting out and watching Hitchcock because of our episode which I think warm inside we're just very educational on this yeah. show this is like a public Inspiring.
2: service that we've done honestly <laughs> do you like how Bacon Sales inspiration is like sit down just sit down but and watch go, a movie you don't, you don't need to, need to watch go watch outside, outside. <laughs> <laughs> go to patreon.com <laughs> slash bacon Sales. pay us just money watch and Hitchcock. then sit down <laughs> daylights for suckers exactly <laughs> But let's move on, shall we? Because that's not what we're talking
1: about today. What are we talking about today, Jacob?
0: Today is the season of the pitch part two, basically. I don't know what we're actually going to call it, but... uh, It's a working title. Yes. Working title. But uh, this year, gentlemen, we've done the craziest, craziest thing, as you already intonated in your your
1: opening, which is we're going to read pitches from you listener well because last year uh we Kent had an idea because he used up his pitch show yes uh where he because i don't like pitch shows not at all they i have, to, I have to earn them you do and so he earned this i believe by going on the rocket yeah. one, Today. i think
0: this one was a foot rub
1: but uh, no, last year's i had to watch the first season of gilmore girls
2: yes and then uh, just right after, he's like, "If you go on the rocket, because I'm a little bit, Lagoon, I'm a little bit, bit scared work. of the rocket uh, at Lagoon." And I did it, and I earned this pitch show, which a year
1: later I'm redeeming. Yeah, yes. I can still picture your screaming face next oh, to me. Remember actually. when it broke
2: down? <laughs> and we had to sit there forever, and we held hands. Uh, so yeah. no, but here's the thing: is
1: so last year, what we did was we came up with three different horror movie pitches where we talked about. Uh, A reboot, uh, an adaptation of an existing work, and then an original pitch. Yes, and it turned out really well. Like we, we, we I love that. Creeped ourselves out. I listened to it again, and I I got pretty scared. But then people were saying, you know, hey, I have an idea for a pitch. And then we thought, well, maybe next year we kind of open up the gates. Yeah, and And this this episode is going to be way worse than that one. So let's move on. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> what, you're just throwing
1: you're throwing the listener under the bus just like that yeah so what, what we decided to do is we are Lucky going guys to, we will open the doors and we allowed anyone who wanted to to submit a pitch a family friendly pitch yes about around five minutes and we got a variety, we actually got a ton of responses. We're not gonna be able to read them all on the show because right. it's gonna run long anyway. We're gonna fit in as many as we can, yep. but we are going to be pitching for you by proxy. We're going yep. to each take turns reading a pitch and then reacting to the pitch as if it were our own. Now what that means is the person pitching is gonna give their fair shake and trying to make it sound good. But that also means that you are pitching to Bacon Sale, which means Kent's going to be really critical. Like I just and Joel's was. Gonna, Joel's going to be over yep. here in the corner cracking jokes the whole time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Listen to me, silly! <laughs> and then Jacob's going to be like, "This makes no sense." So that's, that's about could right. Be chomping on grape nuts during the story. Yes.
0: Yeah. I'll be, yeah. You'll never hear that. You guys won't hear anything else if I do that. Exactly. Section. Yeah.
2: But if you make it to the end of this show, and I think you should, I <laughs> feel <laughs> you like you're already going there. I, you're going there. <laughs> you laughed. You're an accomplice. If you make it to the end of the episode, you're going to hear an original pitch or a pitch by Joel and myself.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. So let's just jump into it. Let's do it. Okay. So who's going first? I am first, gentlemen. And there's a lot of reading, <laughs> so bear with us. It is. Think of it like the last but time we read stories. So let's, let's get the, mood the mood. Of pitches. So Jacob, why don't you tell us who you're pitching for and what the pitch is?
0: For the very first pitch, I will be representing Drew Cutler. He actually submitted a few, and then after he uh, heard our... A requirement for just one pitch. He suggested or requested just this one. I think he chose the wrong one. Actually, I'd have to agree with you. There is another one, which honestly I could just if read we down no if instead. we have time we'll get to later. But we won't have time. He chose this one. Okay, he chose this one. Ashland is the title. The setting: Ashland, Oregon town with lots of vegetables, vagabonds, wanderers, and homeless people, along the, with progressive, rich elites. Actors in the Oregon Shakespeare shakespeare festival and tourists there to see plays ski and mountain bike very specific it is extremely specific like he knows ashland oregon i don't think he i think he just made this up (laughs) next is main character wow and we have a very long paragraph on the main character and then we get to the story okay let's get through this david cox a graduate school historian moves to ashland to study at osu and work on thesis and enjoy the marijuana culture of southern oregon family friendly (laughs) already tell tell drew cutler you are drew cutler you represent. i am you know what this is just honest of the culture there joel okay okay there you go a lot of weed pitch it like you mean it all right he soon's become interested in the history of ashland's founding who wouldn't indeed right me Kent. One story that interests the main character is that of the murder of Dr. Sisson. 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 Let's call him Sisson. The murder now. of Dr. Sisson. Vidal. Sisson. Sisson moved to Ashland in 1856. By 1858, the Sisson was quite successful while the founder of Ashland, Abel Hellman, was losing his wealth in march 1858 not 19. sounds
1: like a history lesson is this real
0: this is just the main character in march 1858 Sison was attacked and shot in the hand but his attacker was never arrested then about a week later his barn was burned down a few weeks later he was shot again (laughs) this time he died Oh, that was abrupt. Yeah, that was actually a run-on sentence, too. <laughs> a <few days> after, <laughs> He's, editing. He's editing his reading. I can't help it. Uh, a few days after his death, his home was burned and his wife and newborn child escaped. However, they were left homeless and over the following decades lived in a destitute lifestyle. Their property was sold or rezoned and ended up in the hands of Abel Hellman that jerk nobody was ever arrested or tried for the crimes that the daughter tried to sue hellman but when she grew up the case was thrown out by the judge now we're into the story right i don't know it doesn't i think i think so i think this is i, I think so proceed okay David is convinced by his friends actors and other free spirits to hold a seance to talk to Dr Cezanne they make contact and tell Dr Cezanne about the fate of his wife and child he knows who the killer was but he doesn't just blame his killer but all of Ashland for not taking care of his family and not st- and not stressing his killer not stressing his killer I'm not what does that mean I,
2: not they're, yes they're not, he doesn't not,
0: want his killer to be stressed don't Joel. kill your stressors <laughs> I don't know it. Don't stress your killers I don't know what I'm saying like here. The,
2: who it is? The identity? Like that? Is that the biggest? I'm not
0: stressing is killer. Yes, you're pitching for him. Remember, I should I should have looked at this more closely before, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I could have an argument ready. <laughs> no, come on, keep going. He gets angry and escapes the spirit world to possess a body. The possession is made easier when someone is high on weed. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> hey,
2: yes. This is a direct quote. This story got awesome. <laughs> All this over, is a direct
0: quote. Over the following days and nights, Cezanne sets fires in, in stores downtown where his home once stood and at the football stadium where his farm once was. People die in the fires. One of the bodies he possesses. A homeless man is arrested and during the arraignment, he begins screaming accusations at the judge whose name is Hellman and tried to attack him. Oh, I read that as a at first. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> no Hellman. Hellman. Yeah, you know, it's a pun on Hell, a- but, Hellman. Abel Hellman. Yeah. also has army's yes. mayonnaise. All right. What? David and his friends try to bring Cezanne's ghost back, but can't. They then find out the only way to stop Cezanne is to kill the body while Cezanne is inhabiting it. So now, instead of Cezanne killing people accidentally through fire, accidentally? Yep, it was an accident. He lit them on fire. It was an accident. David and his friends become killers of innocent people, always just a little too late. Okay, so it's, this is kind of like maybe
1: frailty, where they're. They're trying to kill frailty and fallen. Have you seen fallen with Denzel Washington? Fallen, no, but they're, oh, trying, they're yeah. trying to kill people. That was great. But they're killing innocent people because they think they're bad people. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They shoot a homeless man in the head near a bike path. <laughs> I feel like
0: that's. <laughs> hold on. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> he had it coming, I guess, for being possessed. Right.
2: I thought you were going to say a vagabond. proving poor.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, Kent. That's not what I would say. <laughs> okay, go on. All right. Using a sword from the prop closet, they chop the head off of another person. Wow.
1: Why does it need to be from a prop closet?
0: It's always too late. Yeah, why does it... Okay, Guys. That, that makes it more interesting. Finally, they capture a person possessed by Cezone using a variety of hexes and lots of weed. Seriously? <laughs> lots of <laughs> weed? Lots of weed. <laughs> To an abandoned cabin on dead Indian Road. There they tie him up and set the cabin on fire, leaving him to burn alive and so that no one is around for Cezone's ghost to escape to. The end? Oh, that's the end. Period. Okay. But is it? Question mark. It turns out that the man who was burned had a wife and newborn daughter. The wife is a doctor who goes by her maiden name, Sazon. Story based on true events, though I took some liberties with adapting when the deaths occurred, etc. You can read about them here. And then and he has he, some links below he has links. about that. So, so my question so for it's based, you: it's based on actual events, yeah. Then? So in fact, like the founding it, of Ashland. In fact, here's the link: right, a homeless man shot, decapitation of store clerk, and man buried uh, in the cabin in the woods. But here's what I want to know:
1: weed. So make you <laughs> make you more likely to get possessed. There was there was a strong uh, weed theme going through this. But I, I okay, if I think Jake, you're just trying to play the organ a you, little bit. As, you, you as, as you're pitching this, I have to say, it was kind of hard to follow. Like, I don't know why, but for some reason, as I was going through it, I'm like... There,
0: it, I there was a little bit of struggle with narrative flow here, but... Uh, but I get what they're going for. But, is that and he's going this guy with some w- real w-
1: events. It's it's a revenge horror movie where the guy's seeking revenge, he possesses other bodies, and then people try to stop him. That's so if you guys order.
2: were to see this movie and you, you're like, David Cox is your main guy, right? Would you see flashbacks throughout of uh, Sassone and Hellman? Or would that be just be one scene of exposition that's about seven minutes long I,
1: I see it opening with the, oh the opening i okay. see the opening with the helmet and his own thing and then moving into the story yeah that makes sense because yeah it's okay gotta be, it's got to be a brief thing i don't i don't think there's enough substance in the past to really keep going back there right okay and it's not a mystery of who's possessing or what he's after it's more the horror that happens when he's so possessing. this is straight up rated r i mean if you're getting a sword from the prop closet <laughs> and, you know, weed. and weed and lots weed lots weed yeah um chopping off heads shotguns yeah. to homeless people. Yeah. yeah. Jake, you going to uh, green light this? this? This is for all of us. It's bacon cell approved, green light or not green light. So I'm going to say not green light because it was hard to follow. I think it needs some work dog. And uh, Work dog? He's, He's a little, a little in this case. Yeah. Um, I really like your outfit. <laughs> so you're <Paulin? laughs> <And> Paula?
2: Paula. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it a green light because there is something there. This is the part of America that we don't really have a lot of horror stories come from. From Oregon? From Oregon. And... The weed thing maybe can't be focused on too much because we still need like everyone to really relate to it. But I will give it a green light. Drew,
0: I'm not giving this one a green light, but that's just because you're a harsh judge. I'm a harsh judge. And there's other pitches in here that I would, but not this oh, one. So you're giving like a specific number of green lights. No, 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 no. Of his pitches. He sent three. Oh, yeah. So this okay. one wouldn't get a green light, but that's not to say the other ones would not. Okay. And just between us, Drew, other ones would.
2: Okay. Okay, guys. The next story is from Todd Callen. Next pitch, please. Uh, the next pitch from Todd Callen. There is no title with this story, so we're just gonna have to go with it. Maybe you guys can help maybe, me with the maybe title. Maybe Todd Callen after. is the is the title. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's actually Todd Callen, the kid that I grew up with uh, in my neighborhood here in Farmington. Yeah. A woman was admitted to the Alzheimer's unit on the top floor of a nursing home. There was only one door to get in or out, and it was controlled by a locking system to prevent the residents from escaping. This woman looked incredibly old, even for a nursing home. She had dry. Oh, she had dirty white hair and dry. It was dry, guys. She was not using shampoo. <laughs> was she a nursing home? Because it sounds like she's the nursing home. Thing. No, she was in. Okay. She, but she had dirty white hair, a toothless smile, white cloudy eyes from cataracts, and clothes that looked to be a hundred years old or probably hadn't been washed in years. Okay. She'd make a great guest on our show. We, we like, really? We've seen, I'd probably ask her out. To be <laughs> honest, we were
1: say we've seen that type in horror movies yes. before. It's the old uh, creepy woman character. Yeah, with the wispy white hair. Yeah. The staff got right
2: to work cleaning her up and dressing her in a hospital gown. The whole time she was shrieking in protest with a high-pitched European
1: accent. Which European country? That's a mystery. Yeah, just me, Euro- personally, <laughs> me personally, I'd like to imagine French. French? French? Yeah. No. Yeah. Not Dutch. even Austrian. Dutch.
0: Jacques. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's very fancy. Although old and frail, I just want to hear that uh, throughout the story as they're screaming. Okay. Joel? I feel
1: like I feel like we need to kind of like we do. We need to make these pitches okay. a little
2: more like. Well, there will be scary music. Okay. Although old and frail-looking, uh, she, she struck one of the employees, knocking him to the ground. The staff immediately restrained and sedated her. For days, she laid in bed, sedated, mumbling words that no one understood. Jacuzzi! <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a translator in here? <laughs> After a week, they decided to, to take away the sedation and see how she responded. That evening, she emerged from her room, hunched over with a pronounced limp. She hobbled over to the living room and started going from patient to patient, grasping their hands and whispering into their ears, yeah. Uh, In French, by the way. (laughs) Chacuse. That's all she knows how to say. (laughs) By the way, this story is now called (laughs) (laughs) Chacuse. After she had done this to each of the patients, she went back to her room. As the sun set and everyone was going to bed, the power went out. One of the nurses named Jenny heard strange noises from the old woman's room and went to check on her. Jenny found her standing in the middle of the dark room, talking to herself in a strange language. Different from her earlier. Oh. uh, Doesn't say language, but from her earlier. Earlier language. Yes. Yes. Suddenly the woman's eyes started to glow pure white, while uh, Jenny ran out of the room screaming, but her screams were hardly heard. Once an outbreak of crying and waving broke out among the patients. Jenny ran and hid in her favorite patient's room, a sweet old lady named Meredith. The nurse was terrified to see that Meredith's eyes were also glowing white. E. Without warning, projectile vomit spewed out of marinara. Sorry, family friendly? Kids? Kids? We, we've already gotten to weed in the first pitch, <laughs> I think. Spraying the walls with an unnatural volume. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Todd.
2: Oh my gosh. Chikus. I love that. Oh, no, Chikus.
1: It's a different language now. Oh, yeah.
2: A marinara. <laughs> the real question is, how much volume is natural? No, don't say natural. marinara with spewing. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> marinara? Oh my gosh. Marinara spewing in a natural it's a volume. European yeah.
0: accent. But how much is a natural amount of volume is
2: what I want to know. I mean, I mean, I think even saying volume is enough of <laughs> vomit at the wall, but an unnatural volume. Maybe it yeah. means it's really loud when it hits the wall. Get back to the yeah, turn to, 11. Back to I'm intrigued. Jenny ran to the room across the hall. It was empty. But how could this be? Mr. Brown can't walk. There's Mr. Brown now, by the way. Just then, Jenny noticed a small light coming from the ground. It was Mr. Brown's glowing eyes. Ah. He grabbed her legs from under the bed. She fell to the ground and only managed to escape after several swift kicks. She rushed out of Mr. Brown. Room and into the halls and ran over to the other nurses and staff members that had gathered around the exit trying to get out. It was locked. Just like the patients, they were not free to leave. They ran to the windows, but there was nowhere to go. They were on the top floor. Dun, dun, dun! The patients emerged from their rooms into the dark halls and bright glowing eyes and possessed looks on their faces all oh, heck! broke loose. Yeah,
1: like, thank you Todd for putting heck, oh, yeah, caps. And it's in caps. Heck by all caps. I, appreciate all that. Heck, this is for I almost you. fixed that I, I but I was because
2: I was mad at you Todd for putting heck but anyways. <laughs> I like it. It was pretty funny. Uh, all heck broke loose as the patient started attacking the staff with what seemed like superhuman strength and speed. The staff started scra- scrambling every which way to escape their attackers. As Jenny was fleeing she saw the old witch limping down the hall moving her hands about as if she was directing the orchestra. That's creepy imagery. Yeah. Right there. Her eyes locked onto Jenny and started pursuing her or perusing her. It says perusing. <laughs> it's perusing. perusing. her? <laughs> I peruse mean, a lot oh of women no. in my time. <laughs> he means pursuing. I'm pretty sure he means pursuing. <laughs> so when I pursue a woman, am I really perusing It depends. Woman? It okay. depends. Janie ran the opposite direction. This is like the scariest part of the story. We just ruined it. No, but it's creepy.
1: But we're lightening the mood.
2: Janie ran the opposite direction to the kitchen, but now she was cornered. She looked at the stove and had an idea. She grabbed the wooden broom from the closet and went to the stove and lit it on fire. She ran toward the woman, striking her with a flaming broom. She burst into... the into flame, much more than Jenny expected. She was Unnatru- expecting a little Even, bit of flame. It, was <laughs> it was a natural volume of flame. <laughs> uh, as the witch burned, the lights turned back on and Jenny saw that her co-workers had opened the exit door. As Jenny set off for the exit, she looked back and saw the white eyes of the witch piercing her soul as the witch whispers her last words. She cute. 30 minutes minutes later the owner of the building mr scott walked into the alzheimer's unit and found the fire department hard at work the head fireman approached mr scott telling him the fire had not reached any of the patient's rooms and that everyone was accounted for except for the patient in room 109 our newest resident said mr scott as they walked past 109 they noticed a girl sitting on the bed with her back turned towards them mr scott looked at the fireman as he took a step back and said no one was in there earlier As Mr. Scott walked in and approached the young woman, he noticed it was his employee. Jenny, is that you? Uh, In an instant, the lights went out again. Jenny slowly turned her head around, revealing white glowing eyes. Who is Jenny?
1: Yeah! Okay, so this one, I have to admit, the idea... That ended like a scary story to tell in the dark. Yeah, and I I like that. Well, and I like the idea, like the whole thing of just... uh, it's terrifying to think of a of a nursing home, yes, where the patients are all possessed. Like for some right. reason, that that just is scary. Also, I like the concept of a witch, a real witch right. with Alzheimer's. Yes, so she doesn't really know or understand. Well, it's like an unpredictable, like scary force, right? Yeah. You don't. It's it like, is. yeah, and it's also it also is kind of a a deeper. If you want to take a deeper meaning on it, it's actually kind of looking at how we treat older people and the mental states of older people and it gave i think there's layers here i'm gonna green light it i'm gonna green light it too i think i came up with a really good pitch there (laughs) yeah good good job job. todd
2: i would peruse that all the way to hollywood
1: I, <laughs> I would accuse you, you of
2: stealing it. it. So are we calling that jacuse or jacuse? a natural volume? Unnatural
0: <laughs> <laughs> volume for sure. By the
2: way, that is my Vidal Sassoon. Vidal Sassoon. Is, that is your shampoo? shampoo? Vidal, or is a natural volume. Yes. Uh, okay. yeah.
0: uh, Jacob, are you going to agree like that? You know, I think I will actually. Uh, like just based off the idea of an old woman that has, you know, Alzheimer's and doesn't know
2: she has power like right. that. that there's would it be a slow that. burn where like maybe you think certain people like... It doesn't really seem like a scary movie up until like the last 10 no, minutes. It just puts you at unease because
0: well
1: this will this go zero to 60. No, if, it I, does. if I were
0: to set that up, it would be events start occurring and you're not sure whether you're watching from the perspective of I'd have an unreliable narrator is what I would do for that. Okay, great. And then, yeah, you'd watch from the perspective of someone who's uh, admitted into the place
1: and oh. then you would have to learn and see and try to decide if it were real. That's really not. good. I will be pitching for Chad Illum. And he says, feel free to change, summarize, or adjust, or edit as you see fit. So I think that means commentary is allowed in this one, gentlemen. So we can poke fun. He said, I jotted down quick, quickly as the idea came to me. Uh, he says, the dad will be played by Gerard Butler. The mom will be played by Isla Fisher. All right. And then we need a young actress that is undetermined as of yet. Uh, it's called Wrath. And uh, Markle Beltrami would do the music, and oh, John, cool. Cr- John Krasinski would direct. That's interesting. John Krasinski. After a quiet place, everyone wants him. Right. Everyone wants to peruse him. <laughs> It had been a hard few years for Alice. Her mother had left, her father had gone into depression, and she had been shouldering much of the responsibility at home. At age 12, she already felt she had been living on her own. Her father was a good man who had the misfortune of trusting a woman more than she deserved. After six months after mother had left, he purchased a cab, cabin in northern Montana. Thinking the fresh air would clear his head, he moved them to a cabin. Alice hated it there. There were no neighbors for miles and no one even close to her age nearby. The closest town was an hour away. It was so small, it only had basic amenities. So it's like living in Provo. Oh, hey. It's basically where I grew up. Uh, the land her father had purchased was picturesque, and she often would go on hikes alone, admiring the plants and animals along her path. Is this the story of Jacob? <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's all Jacob did for his childhood. father warned her not to go alone as they were in bear country. Jacob didn't live in bear country. There are grizzlies there. Were there? Mm-hmm. They're really rare, but... Oh, so it's really? not bear country. No, Not where Jacob was, no, but here we are. I lost my place. (laughs) Let's talk about bear country. Oh, bear country. But she didn't really care about his opinion. If she got eaten by a grizzly, fine. What? Who Who says that? That's what Who has that attitude? You know, if I am lower on the food chain than a a monster, than an animal, Fine. fine. Who was he to tell her what to do? He had barely been able to feed himself for months after mother left, let alone shower or shave, like he was someone to speak about responsibility. One day he decided to join her. Let's go for a camp out. I've got some more stuff. It'll be fun he said in a forced more stuff is really fun let's be honest it is. I do like. is let's
2: smore's. do that after this recording oh yeah actually there's a new fire over there in the corner oh look at did the fire pit would
1: you install that it
2: actually just comes from the ground it's actually a chasm that goes down oh what and it opens up i, I don't remember just... any
1: chasms pretty crazy that's so pretty cool to install that she could tell he was just trying to reconnect with her normally she would have gone and went off in a huff to her room however the seclusion had gotten old and she wanted so badly to have her old dad back maybe this was the start of making his way back they grabbed their backpacks and hiked for a few hours before finding a small clearing near sundown. Alice started gathering firewood while her father set up the tent and made a small fire pit. The sunset and the night sky came alive. Stars were her favorite part of her new existence. The heavens were breathtaking with the glitter that shined down on her. I feel like we're just spending a lot of time this, getting her emotions. Is like, this from the, the same, scary Chad? Who
2: wrote "Um, The Fault in Our Stars"? John Green. John Green. This seems like a uh, John Green sort book. Green.
1: It's like, what are you afraid of? Oblivion. The stars are my new favorite part of my existence. All right. She probably stood there watching too long. It was the first of her mistakes that night. An hour or so had passed while she was entranced by the night sky. That's a long time to be staring at a sky. I think, mm-hmm. I
0: think he's just setting up the mood and the character a little the, bit here.
1: The mood right now, though, is more romantic than... Yeah. I'm loving it. I'm looking, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking
2: for constellations right here. We are. He's, you're perusing, he's perusing, the perusing the constellations. The constellations. constellations.
1: Yeah. 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 By the time she got back, her father already had a fire going and had dug into the s'more stuff. He had fallen asleep with a marshmallow roasting over a fire, and it had burned to an ashen lump. Hoisting Those are my favorite marshmallows to eat, by the way. Ashen lumps, the fiery ones. Yeah, they had the ashen lumps. Hoisting his arm over her shoulder, she tried to she tried to help him to their tent. As she turned, she heard a rustling in the bushes behind their tent. No, that's never good. She dropped her dad to the ground and slowly moved towards his bag by the fire pit. Sorry, I just imagine her. <laughs> just dropping yeah. him. He would have bear spray there, maybe even a pistol she could use to defend herself. Before she reached the bag, the creature stood up. Tall, gaunt, with pale white skin and black pits for eyes. It's (laughs) kind. What? Hold on. Tall, gaunt. Okay. Uh, Short skin, black pits for eyes. Oh, wow. (laughs) Doll's eyes. Guys, this is the creepy part. Stop. Its body was emaciated with a strange inhuman frame that was too skinny for how tall it was, with ribs and bones poking out from the skin. The ghoul stalked forward. Her dad had woken up when she dropped him, and laid on his back, propped up on his arm, staring at the hateful monster that was descending slowly upon him, growling in a low rumble. Could it see him? The thing didn't have eyes from what she could see, but so much of this monster's build defied any earthly description she could think of. Step by step, it moved forward, long claws raking the ground as it moved, deathly black claws with gnarled chunks half-hazardly broken out of them. She couldn't even hear her father's scream as it gnashed through his torso. Jeez! Yikes! All sound had gone in her hysteria, and it was all she could do to reach into the bag, grab the handgun her father had placed there, and unload the clip into its skeletal body. The demon fled, taking her father's body with it. Okay. She waited for hours until daylight before sprinting back to the cabin. Remember when it was just a romantic story? I know, the stars were so beautiful. <laughs> she called the only neighbor she knew, an older couple who rushed to her with the sheriff. She would be okay, they said, but... Well, of course she'd be okay. But they would take care of her and get her back to her family. She's not going to be okay. She descended into depression, they said, but she knew better. This was no depression. It was what fear did to the soul. They never found her father's body, never found any signs of struggle. They never even found any blood at the site. That answers my question. She didn't know how that was possible. Her father must have gone off and killed himself, they said, or abandoned her. She knew the truth, a truth she could never tell. No one would believe her. Years had passed and she had studied desperately, searching for a name for the monster she had seen, that had torn everything she had left in this world from her, searching for a way to get even with it. She finally found a name in an old Indian lore book, Wendigo, Wendigo, Wendigo. Finally, a name, something to begin with. She would find her Wendigo and avenge the last thing that she had loved, Wendigo, Wendigo.
0: Chad also referred to season one,
1: episode two of Supernatural.
2: Where do you come from? When
1: did go my fiery feet, my burning feet of fire. Uh, okay. So this one, I feel like it was too front heavy. And then I wanted to, like, I, I wanted the, the thing to start when they're camping and then go from there. It gets, it seems like the origin story for a demon hunter. It does. Like, that thing is, it's a scary moment. Yes. But it doesn't seem like a full horror movie to me because it's like, oh, she's going to go hunt him in revenge. Is that the end of the movie or is that is this all the beginning of the movie? In the Supernatural episode, uh, the
0: Wendigo actually imitates their voices to call them away from the campsite. Yes. And that has
1: always creeped well, me Well, one thing I will say as a strength here is that the, the, description, the description of the demon, Absolutely. And actually he had, was that him that had that picture? Well, he's got a good narrative flow here as well. No, and that's the, it's a good story, but I feel like it's, I don't know if I can green light it because the creepy part leads into kind of an end and I wanted that to be kind of the beginning. So I'm saying not greenlit from me. So I think this is the first half of, of a movie
2: and I can't green light this at this point. You know, I wouldn't greenlight it as a movie, but I would I would greenlight a reworking of this <gasps> as a story. I would greenlight this as a podcast, as a journey that this girl is going to get, go on. But as a demon hunter, hunting yes. the wendigo. Yes, yeah, her, for sure. Her description of her pursuits, people she talks about, other people that have been attacked. I would greenlight it in several narrative like forms. Like missing people not, and whatnot. Not what a movie, Not a movie. Yeah, different format, not quite I a think, movie yet. I think
1: the movie would be, like, the, I think it'd be better suited the movie to be the stalking of being hunted that night and her just trying to survive yes i don't know but it just it feels like it needs more there's something missing yes i don't know what
2: but it's, it, it's just it's the pilot a solid origin it's a, it's a pilot mm-hmm. exactly yeah. yeah the next story up
0: i will be representing it is by brian thatcher this one is called black omen synopsis note though i will use bacon sale names in the synopsis this is meant to be a serious film it's just in my nature to insert humor where none really belongs i understand that perfect in the middle of the night, Joel wakes up in bed and looks around his room feeling uneasy. Perfectly normal. It's because I'm there. As he looks toward the doorway, he sees the shape of a large dog, blacker than the night around it. Ooh, I like that. As Joel looks at it, he notices to his horror that the shadow dog appears to be missing its head. What? Although headless, Joel swears he can hear it growling. Growing. It says growing right uh, here. It does say growing. I assume since he's hearing it, it's, okay, okay. it's,
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> you can, can hear it growing.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. We can't get after people
0: for typos. <laughs> it's just an L. The shadow dog stands motionless for a few more seconds, then suddenly takes a flying leap at Joel. Joel lets out a yell as he descends Aye. toward him, only to disappear at the last moment. I disappear or the the dog. The, the dog. dog. Yeah. Shaken, Joel writes it off as a bad dream, and eventually falls back to sleep pretty tough guy jeez i am you're like that was just a bad dream had those (laughs) dogs i can hear it growing (laughs) (laughs) in the morning joel wakes up and goes through his uh through his normal routine of getting ready for work bidding his wife and 15 kids goodbye (laughs) (laughs) you know that was like 2010 yeah exactly (laughs) joel gets in his car and heads to the office along the way He is in a horrible car accident and ends up dying at the scene. (laughs) What the heck, heck, Brian? (laughs) It was just a dream. Over the course of the next 10 days, three more people die from accidents and what appear to be natural causes such as heart attacks. Sheriff Casey Dunn nothing goes to see here. Goes goes to see Casey here. Dunn goes over the accident reports and can't help name is C, right. Yeah. Yeah. The C. Will Would yeah. you just make this a requirement for next year if they put anything up? It has to be us. I'm having a hard time seriously, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Casey Dunn goes over the accident reports and can't help but have an uneasy feeling in his small North Dakota town of Pine Mountain, population of six of about six thousand. Very specific. Things are usually quiet, and people only get in trouble when they drink too much. As far as deaths go no weed here in this town no weed here in Pine Mountain must be Jacob Rogers there has not been a murder in ages and only the old seem to pass away when their time is up as he is thinking, he gets Alzheimer's. a radio call. Wait,
1: nice. <laughs> 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 Alzheimer's, go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alzheimer's. As he is thinking, he gets a radio call from Deputy Jake Rogers, letting him know I'm a deputy. Oh, come on. My right-hand That's, man. Buddy, it's it's the buddy sheriff? cop thing hey, with Jake Jacob? You don't have a voice anymore, Joel. You're dead. We, we get the power. You, we do. I'm I mean, number two power. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me grow. <laughs> Uh, Letting him know that they have been notified of a situation going on at a residence. Sheriff Dunn sets off to assist. At the scene, the police force... Are you getting an accent, Jacob? At the scene, the police force (laughs) Deputy Rogers. I'm I'm getting into character. Getting into character, Joel. At the scene, the police force of about 10, including the sheriff and deputy, are outside a home. Inside, they can hear a man yelling and a woman crying. As the police prepare to storm the home, they hear the man yelling about seeing a headless dog and accusing his wife of messing with his head. Ooh. The police storm the home, and in the shootout, the man is killed. After calming her down, the sheriff questions his wife. She said their husband had gone into their room to get dressed, and then about a minute later, came running a out. Minuet <laughs>
2: a minuet later. And then the about a minuet later. We're such later. jerks. <laughs> We're such jerks to call people's typos. Guys, spell check. Seriously.
1: Yeah. <laughs> actually minuet's a word maybe they played a minuet maybe they just had time to play a minuet and then they went and checked on him. yeah
0: i came running out yelling and ranting about a large black uh headless dog i thought it said heedless dog for a second uh headless dog attacking him and started accusing her of trying to get rid of him thinking the man must have been on something weed yep <laughs> some <laughs> of his blood is sent away to be tested or an autopsy whatever whichever <laughs>
2: some of his blood yeah it should probably just be his body no hey hey we in the pine mountain sheriff's department we don't really do our due diligence here <laughs> I just send off yeah, some blood t- some blood on the floor pick it up
0: a few more days go by and things continue to get worse more victims mention seeing headless dogs before they die dunn and rogers we're, we're doing now I love country that. Re- <laughs> realize that there is something more going on than just a string of bad luck having run out of logical options they turn to paranormal causes this path takes them to talking to an old Native American who lives on the edge of town. Upon talking to him, they learn that his tribe once lived on the land and told a legend of a great evil that once roamed the area and preyed upon the
2: tribe. like liking this so far?
0: Eventually, a holy man was able to bless a warrior with the ability to repel and seal away evil. Since that time, the warrior's descendants inherited the power and kept the evil at bay. However, the old Native American is the last of the warrior's descendants, and as he grows older and weaker, the seal holding back the evil grows weaker Okay. and is currently allowing the shadow dogs to roam the town. There's more than one. The Native American... They have a name for those, Jacob? Hellhounds. <laughs> Hellhounds, yeah, they yeah. do, yeah. The Native American, Sheriff Dunn and Deputy Rogers begin to talk and work on a plan to reestablish the seal but
1: they are on the clock because they punched in <laughs> they punched Working
2: in we <laughs> yeah.
1: we're not on salary done
2: <laughs> it's I, not, I, man.
1: honestly if you guys are going to form a band i think it should be rogers and dunn. yeah rogers and dunn has better ring to it yeah, does dunn it and rogers yes dunn and rogers doesn't sound as good as rogers and dunn all right Ken should probably be the headliner though well oh, Dunn and thanks, rogers pal. yeah
0: you have a beautiful singing voice jacob yeah <laughs> that's so true <laughs>
2: If you like if you like Jake, pain. We're on the pitch, clock. Pitch, we're pitch. on the clock.
0: While Dunn and Rogers work on a plan, tension in the town is growing to explosive levels. It's growling. It should be growling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: growling. Uh, I think it's groaning, actually. With so many people dying and reports of demon dogs going around, people have become afraid to leave their homes. And as they get low on needed supplies and have needs that cannot wait, food, medicine, prescriptions, need to see the doctor, ER visits or dentists, and other needs. That's <laughs> a, a lot. Of <laughs> why did he give a list i'm not sure there's <laughs> a lot of things yeah uh they start to blame their neighbors family members and or unpopular locals for their situation people begin to attack each other for supplies to vent frustration and or uh out of desperate attempt to end the madness as damage is done fires burn electricity goes out and many emergency personnel are afraid to do their jobs with each passing hour the town gets closer to straight anarchy Finally forming a plan. The KC. The KC? The KC? You're, you're the KC now. The KC yeah. and Jake. I got promoted. Jake and the Fat Man. Wait, why is it KC? Kent? It's no name. Kent Church Clark. It's oh, not it? Clark. Yeah, it is. Go on. And Jake, head to the source of the evil upon finding it. They have a showdown with the evil in human form as well as others.
1: Can I play the evil at this point? Yes. Because I've been dead for a while. You're, you've you been on be form lately, so now you can play in, the in evil. In the human form, yeah. Yeah.
0: In the end, Sheriff Dunn makes the <gasps> ultimate sacrifice. No! And gives his life to mend the seal. No. He died saving
2: the world a lot. Okay, I'll take that.
0: Je- Deputy Jake heads back to town. He gets a burger, has some fries. You didn't say that. Talks with some people. Read the script. Oh, okay. Deputy Jake heads back to town to set things back in order, knowing that the seal will eventually weaken again. There you go. Okay. The end. All right, so he wants Christopher Nolan to direct this. Uh, Well, that's just because gives Kent the main role and makes Christopher Nolan director. Yeah, Kent's the sheriff, so Uh, and he wants David Harbor to be Sheriff Dunn, which is pretty fun uh, from Stranger Things. Stranger Things uh, sheriff Sheriff, guy. Uh, That's actually pretty good. Uh, Jeremy, I'm Jeremy Renner. All right, I can take that. And Peter Dinklage is Jolt. No, the human form of the evil. Uh, entity see. demon.
1: So who's Joel? Who gets to play I Joel? I just die. Christopher just Lambert. Died.
0: It's just Joel plays himself and he dies. What did wow. you? What it's did, a, it's what a brief did you, cameo you, by Brad Pitt. What did you do to Brian? Joel is really I the question. So here. here's Sorry, the thing.
2: Jeez. This is about three to four different movies, because I had like a riot at some point. Like it really did turn into like World War Z. You know, it started off with the basic Hellhound story, mysterious death, almost like almost like a Final Destination. And then there was this like Indian burial, burial ground sort of thing. It was just too many movies. It does run around a lot of different places. There's some really good moments in it though.
1: There are. There I'm, are. I'm still going to green light it though because I like the I like that concept of there's a warrior that keeps the evil away and when as they get weaker, the evil starts creeping in and then until a new warrior takes the place, it's going to keep seeping into our world. I like that concept. Okay. So I'm saying green light.
2: I would almost make it more uh, Native American where it's like a skinwalker is maybe leading these hellhounds. We'll get into those. Okay, but I I would greenlight that aspect. I think take away from the whole riots of the town, remove that from the movie completely.
1: Okay,
0: I would greenlight just the headless hellhounds or demon dogs or
1: yeah whatever. Well, okay, so I have to admit that the headless, Being like harbingers of the headless aspect is almost less scary because the scariest part of a dog is like the glowing eyes or the teeth. How's it gonna bite you? Well, that's what I mean. Is like it's this basically this little stump chasing after you. It doesn't mm. seem as scary, but apparently it's based on real folklore Okay, of these headless dogs that people have been seeing. Maybe, maybe it's neck is a mouth. Yeah. The black dog or ghost.
2: As long as it's not too CG and Nolan won't ever direct this. I'm sorry. All right. I'm going to read the next one and it's called Casey Finlinson. <laughs> that's, the, that's the person who's giving the pitch. We'll come up with the name as we go through. Okay, here we go. It says okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. Okay. Ryan, Nate, and Kyle have their own urban exploration YouTube page where they go three
0: guys. Why can't it just be our names? I
2: know. Their own YouTube page where they go all over the country exploring old abandoned buildings. I call Kyle. I'm Nate. I'll be Ryan. (laughs) Sucker. I I like being Ryan. Oh, on their latest video, a commenter by the name of DDW Deep Dark Web left the, the left them longitudinal and latitudinal coordinates to an old abandoned cabinal cabinal <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of an old Ponderosa pine forest with a comment at your own risk. Well they decide that this is too good to pass up, so they take the weekend and drive to the coordinates only to find an old abandoned cabinal in the woods. It doesn't say cabin. I know it's cabin.
1: That's your that's your mouth typo. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's your mouth typo. The thickness of pine Shut up, Ryan. <laughs> the, the thickness of the pine trees make it so dark that even during the daylight, it's surprisingly dark outside. It doesn't take long before the three of them realize that there's just something not right about this place. There are no birds chirping. There are not animals wrestling through the trees. The ground is covered in pine needles that haven't been disturbed in what looks like years. But forget that. I love how it's, it's told in a very personal tone. But forget that. But forget that. They need people to smash that like button so they're willing to go. uh, Man, I'm so glad. There's no commas here, but I'm pretty sure there should be a lot of commas. They need people to smash that like button so they're willing to go on and see what's going on in in this place. They make their way into the cabin and begin almost immediately seeing strange things moving around. But it's always a little bit out of range of the camera. No. Strange noises happening all around them. Voices begin speaking to them from the darkness. Check you. (laughs) as time goes on the things moving in the distance begin getting closer and closer the noises and voices begin to become louder and louder it all becomes too much and the three friends run out jump into the truck and begin to drive away only to have three dark figures slowly climb into the back of the truck Mm. and as the three friends scream in horror the camera fades to black after they have been missing for a few days people go looking for them and their camera is found welcome to night of the skinwalkers
1: And there's a little note here at the end. Yes.
2: On a true story note, near my hometown of Utah, there's a small ponderosa pine forest where a couple of my friends had an experience where they were driving through and had black figures try and climb into the back of their truck. They freaked out and sped only to have these figures disappear once they reached the edge of the pine tree forest. Yikes. I've
1: heard a lot of stuff. That's actually... That little bit was, I think, scarier than the rest of the original page. Yeah, I have to agree. And I think it's because I was like, okay, where are we going with this... With the YouTubers. And I think that's a, that's a good spin. It will be dated very quickly. Like when you start to do kind of modern technology. Well, is this a, just basically a, a new way to tell a found footage story? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But yes. I felt like this was kind of the opening before the credits. And it didn't feel quite like I feel like there needs to be a story here beyond that. Actually,
2: yeah. If there's a story about YouTubers, I'll want them to die anyways. <laughs> like immediately. So if they die in the first seven minutes, great. But these guys aren't going to die. Ryan, Kyle, and Nate all survive. So what do you think? You, so you guys are agreeing like this as the beginning of a movie?
0: It feels like the beginning of an episode, right? Where it's like yeah. the thing that happens and the figures go into the back of X-Files, the trials, X-Files. Do 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 do. And then they, they kill him in the beginning. Or maybe there's one survivor or yeah. something, yeah. right?
1: And then you meet the real, uh, the real it, protagonist. I also feel like the, the title, Night of the Skinwalkers, is a little misleading because... There's no real skinwalkers that we at least see in this story. Right. So unless it's going to go farther than that, I can't green light this. I'm sorry. Okay.
2: I'm going to, yeah, I'm not going to green light this as a full movie, but as a concept, yes, because I
1: love the true story note. Put it back, yep, in, put it back it in the, the oven, bake it for a little bit longer. This could be something good. That last little that last little story, yes, that was creepy. Yep. Because it's true. It's one of those true stories that creeps out. This one, I'm going to be pitching for K.P. Brown. So he actually submitted a couple different ideas, and I asked him, which one would you want to do? And he said he would like to see an American remake of a Chinese... Oh, so we have a remake story here. Yeah, there's a remake pitch. We did this last which year, is fine. sure. But he gave the he actually gave the Wikipedia summary of a, a Chinese ghost story that he, he said he saw it in Korea, and he loved the feel of it, would love to keep the Chinese mythology. I love Asian horror. Horror. So Ning Choi san a timid debt collector, goes into a rural town to collect debts but fall... But fails and runs out of money. He has no choice but to take shelter in a deserted temple in the forest of the outskirts of town. That night he meets a beautiful and alluring young maiden, Nip Susian, and falls in love with her. In the morning, however, after he recalls that night's events, he becomes increasingly fearful and superstitious because Ying Chika, a Taoist priest, told him that the people he saw in the temple are ghosts. That night he returns to the temple and confirms his theory that Nip is actually a ghost. Nip tells Ning her story of how she became eternally bound to the servitude of a sinister tree demoness. She explains as long as her remains are buried at the foot of a tree, her spirit will be there forever, enslaved by the tree demoness. Ning attempts to free her from her suffering, so he seeks help from Yin Chika. Those darn tree demonists. (laughs) Demonesses, yeah. Yin fights with the tree demoness and attempts to free Nip's soul, but fails. As punishment for betraying his master, Nip's soul is banished to the underworld. Ning is unwilling to give up on Nip, and he insists that Yin help him. Yin reluctantly opens a temporary portal into the underworld and brings Ning along with the search for Nip. I think I want to be Nip. Okay. (laughs) Nip's the girl, but okay. (laughs) I want to be Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan's not in the story. As the underworld is full of spirits and Kate Beckinsales. uh, That was my own thing. They have a hard time finding her. Ning and Nip are eventually able to see each other briefly near dawn when they manage to leave the underworld. When the sunlight shines on the urn containing Nip's cremated remains, Ning uses a curtain to shield the urn to prevent Nip's soul from being destroyed by exposure to sunlight. Before leaving for good, she tells him the only way to save her soul is to rebury her remains at a more auspicious burial site. Ning follows her instructions and, acting on Yin's advice, he buries her remains near the crest of a hill. He burns a stick for her and prays for her soul while Yin watches solemnly behind him. So that's that's the plot of the movie right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a full movie. Now we don't need to watch it. Well, and OK, so here's the thing. Uh, he put a trailer in here. Yes. And it was actually kind of cool to read this description and then go look for the trailer for I believe it's just called a Chinese, a Chinese, Chinese ghost, ghost, ghost story. story. So I'd, I recommend looking that up. Now, I, I kind of rushed through that because I have a confession to make. I want to read another one, one of his pitches. OK, go ahead. Because he added a joke what? pitch, and I thought it was so good. I just wanted to bring it up. OK, I'm listening. With the death of her mom, Sophia Dorothy Zabornak needed to get a fresh start. Her desire, to, her, her desire drove her to leave the East Coast and move to Utah. Her friends, Rose Island and Devereaux, and joined her for the new adventure. Then one night, a fateful car trip turned deadly. These three grandmas are now cursed to spend the afterlife driving around, joining their crazy hijinks as they hop into the lives of drivers they meet on the road. Golden girls, the afterlife. They were friends for life. Now. Yeah for death yeah <laughs> so you just took the three
2: grandmas and made them golden, golden girls. girls which
1: i was like that makes so much sense i love that pitch so much so yes i kind of cheated on that one um but i think kp that was probably the best pitch was the golden girls one because the chinese one i think would be good it's too traditional but right it, it, it shouldn't very, be an american very remake. i was going to say it should stay in it should stay subtitled in chinese folklore and just recommend people to watch it because i think american remake is just going to water it down yeah so I'm not going to green light the Chinese one, but I will green light the golden girls. Me too so much. Absolutely. Jacob. Um, yeah. It,
0: no. He's feeling harsh, everybody. He so hesitant and harsh no like the, the golden girls uh, speaking of inside jokes you probably should even reference
1: or you didn't really reference Yeah, golden that. girls was a tv show uh, <laughs> the,
0: the three grandmas
1: <laughs> the three grandmas are a folklore that kent made up to try i did to scare not people. make up it's real yeah. yeah they're real but they drive around centerville between the hours of three and four yes in a station wagon wearing surgical masks yes there you go creepy are you guys ready for the next story Yes, pitch it to us. This is
0: from Sean Sandquist, and this one is called Skinwalker. Seems to be a theme. A young boy, around 12 years old, on a rural ranch with his parents, probably about 30 minutes from any city or town. The boy helps his father around the farm with the livestock and other animals, but they have to be careful that predators don't get to their best source of income, their large flock of sheep. One night, just as they are all about to go to bed, the bleeding from the herd sheep is heard. <laughs> that sounds weird. Uh, mixed with howls from what sounds like a coyote. The father then grabs a lantern and his gun and heads out to check on his flock, before he leaves to tell his family to head to bed. The mother heads up to bed, but the boy can't sleep, so he goes out to wait for his father to return. It is a moonless night and the sun watches from the porch as his father walks further and further from the house and disappears into the darkness. The boy continues to hear the sound of the sheep and the coyote. As he listens to the sound of the coyote, he notices that it doesn't sound quite right. Because he pronounces it coyote. That
2: could be. Jake says coyote. Coyote.
0: That's how it was, yeah, Yeah. where I grew up here. It almost sounds like a coyote's howl, but there is something off, almost like there is a human screaming in unison. The boy waits on the porch, clutching his gun. All of a sudden, he hears a gunshot pierce the silence of the night. He clutches the gun tighter and waits. After 10 minutes, his father still hasn't returned. The boy decides to head out to the pasture and look for his father. When he arrives, he sees his father standing still, facing away from him. Mm. Not a good sign. Well, this is already getting under my skin. Yes, okay. The son runs to the father, looks at his face, which is motionless, staring ahead in the distance. The son asks his father if he is okay, but he still doesn't respond. The son shakes his father's arm, and all of a sudden, his dad stares down at him and smiles. Ah, creepy. A big, wide, smile that almost seems abnormal a smile of a natural volume
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the boy again asks if his father is all right and the father grunts yeah. the father wasn't a man of many words so the son just shrugs this off the father turns to leave and as he does so the boy sees something off he could have sworn there was a flash of yellow in his father's eye as they walk back to the house in silence he notices that his father is walking a little funny like his legs are heavier than normal and is almost dragging them across the surface of the ground the father heads inside and the son follows and heads to bed I wouldn't be able to sleep after that this is good the son wakes up while it's still dark out to go do his daily chores as he walks past his parents room he notices that their door is open usually the father closes the door so his mother can sleep before he heads down for the morning chores the son pushes the door open a little bit more and then screams and pushes himself against the wall in the hallway he had seen his mother completely bloody and torn apart on the bedroom floor. Jeez, Sean. He finds his footing and runs, screaming for his father. He finds his father standing out in the barn. The boy crying, grabs his father's arm and begs him to come help. Something has happened to mother. The father turns to the boy and smiles. Mm-hmm. The same abnormal wide smile. Only this time, his white teeth and cheeks are stained with the red tints of blood and his eyes are completely yellow. Dude. Like the eyes of an animal. Get out. Get out. The boy screams in horror and runs away from his father and the father follows in his steady walk dragging his feet. Oh, that's creepy. The boy gets back to the house, opens the screen door and runs into something. He looks in astonishment at his mother, no longer bloody, is standing in front of him. The boy begins to tell her that something is wrong with father. She looks down at him with yellow eyes and an abnormally wide grin. <sighs> and he notices that her cheeks are sagging almost like someone wearing a rubber mask that Ooh. doesn't that doesn't fit quite right edgar suit the mother then shakily raises one of her hands and smacks the boy hard across the face hey. the boy stumbles and runs back out the door crying and screaming in horror and sees his father dragging his feet steadily toward him the bloody grin still on his face is it british all of a sudden no it's blood. Bloody. it's literally oh, blood okay. oh yeah, yeah bloody
2: grin what that bloody grin <laughs> off your face <laughs> bloody
0: grin he runs away from his father and here's the screen door slam. He looks behind him and sees his mother stumbling out of the house while still staring ahead with a smile on her face. Mm. She, they're kind of like zombies too. She stumbles down the stairs, gets up and continues stumbling toward him with a smile. Smiling zombies. The smiling zombies. Yeah, that should have been the name of it. Smiling zombies. Smiling zombies. Or your band's name. The boy runs away from his parents and toward the pasture. He runs into the pasture and crawls onto or crawls on the muddy ground into the flock of sheep to hide himself. The sheep starts bleeding and the boy while hearing bleat bleating, not bleeding. The bloody sheep bleating start <laughs> bleating. The bleating. The sheep start bleeding bleating. And the boy, while hiding, hears the same howl as the night before, only this time there are two. They now sound more human than animal. The noise the noises continue for several hours and the boy waits in silence, crying and trembling. Around dusk the noises stop and he again only hears the bleating of the sheep. The boy raises his head above the sheep and doesn't see anything around him. The boy crouches back down inside the herd of sheep and sees that he is staring directly into the oh, into his father's that yellow. Me, that gave me eyes. shivers. That gave me shivers. He still has the same blood stained grin on his face. The father opened the father opens his mouth like he is going to speak, but instead makes the bleeding sound of a sheep. Oh. <laughs> the boy screams and the father lunges toward him. This is a new paragraph. A man drives down the dusty road toward the ranch. He is preoccupied because the family from the ranch normally comes into town once a week to buy groceries and pick up their mail. He gets to the ranch and sees no sign of life. He goes to the porch and knocks on the door and no one answers. Finally, he decides to open the door a crack. He yells inside, but no one comes to the door. He pushes the door open, letting light into the kitchen. Sitting at the kitchen table in the shadows, he sees a man and a woman who, who own the house. They are both sitting, staring blankly ahead. The man steps inside and walks toward them. They both look up and smile wide smiles at him. He notices that their eyes have a yellow tint when the sunlight hits them. He backs away and runs into something. He turns around and sees the couple's son, who stares up at him with yellow eyes. Mm. The boy smiles wide, so wide that the corners of his mouth split open and his face starts to bleed. The boy lunges at the man and bites down hard on his neck. Like a wolf biting a sheep.
1: Jeez. Well, um, <laughs> so I'm not going to be reading that one in Sunday school. Uh, Sunday school. Are the other Why? ones you might. Yeah. Maybe. You let your kids listen to these shows, right? Some some of these shows. Yes. Some of these shows. If my nephew is listening right now, please don't listen anymore. I guess that already passed. So, never mind. so I'm trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> Go or is back it, in time and stop. Is,
2: is the mystery more fun for this story? Or do we need a reasoning?
1: Like, are these skinwalkers are these creatures are they wolves as a short story i think it works great is if it's a movie it's going to need a little more substance but at the same time i'm going to green like this because that was terrifying it was i really wanted to just give the boy a name uh it was uh ryan no i'm ryan oh no yeah
2: yeah i'm nip (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes you are <laughs> but yes that's a definite green light because that one really kept my attention that was creepy no there's some really good moments in that this yeah, long good job sean you know i'm kind of thinking why i'm wondering why ryan would wait with the sheep until it got dark because you never wait until dark and it seemed like these things these people move slowly ryan? this is sean i know but the the character ryan who's now named ryan oh the boy the he boy ryan. just run okay, okay. although it pitches from
1: ryan so that's yes exactly yeah
2: but no that was awesome
1: yeah, it was really, really. Scary. There's some good
0: moments, like when yeah. he's like when he he pokes his head out from the sheep and then goes back down, and then goes and back, and back down for him. and it's
1: waiting. Yeah, and it's, that that imagery is gonna haunt me. All right,
2: you guys ready for the next one? Yes. This good. one is actually from Ryan Farron.
1: Hey, who's on the show?
2: Yes, yeah. during a robot show. All right, here's the story. All right, so this story I'm about to read is based on a YouTube video which he sent over to us, and so not a very convincing YouTube video, but okay. sure, sure. But let's hear the story mary was late again she dreaded the guilt trip her mother would give her when she got home she could hear it already you're an hour late you didn't leave any food to make your kids dinner they're starving your kids need their mother to be present more on and on she'd go mary grabbed the grocery bags from the cart letting it bang loudly in the cart return why the store didn't have cart returns in the parking garage was beyond her so now she had to lug these heavy bags to her car she entered the garage the light was out here She didn't notice that when she went into the store, but it had been light out, so there was no way to tell. Now it was dark in the corner, and her eyes couldn't penetrate the darkness. She increased her pace, wishing she had her keys out just in case there was an obfuscated attacker (laughs) in the dark. (laughs) Big words, kid. Yes. Uh, Obfuscated in the dark. Don't be silly, she chatted herself. She'd been watching too many Law and Order reruns. Perfect. Dum-dum. She rounded the corner. The lights were all on in the section of the garage. She felt safer. Arriving at her van, she quickly set the groceries on the ground so she could fish the the car keys out of her pocket as she bent down there was a gust of wind above her head and a sense that she had just narrowly avoided being hit by something all the car alarms started wailing and head and tail light flashing uh, standing straight she spun around once again peering into the dark corner this time with the intermittent flashing red lights she was able to make a tall dark shape it started to move she let out a scream but she could barely hear herself over the blaring alarms and the pounding of her own heart she wanted to flee but she stood there frozen in terror as two red orbs appeared at what looked like a head on top of a, of the dark shape. Then her feet, as if being controlled by someone else, started to carry her closer to the dark figure. Detective Jones like living in Bozeman. It still had what? that... <laughs> What? I definitely have breast cancer. Oh, no, you can't just say that. You can't just say that, and not say it's a reference, it's to, the a room. reference to the room.
1: It just it was such an abrupt change. This <laughs> is why I try to add a pause for effect. I was, I was into like, okay, what's going on in the parking garage, and all of a sudden we have Detective Jones and but Bozeman. There's,
2: it, it, look, guys, we, it's not in paragraph form. It's fine. So I will add a longer, detached pause there. You just have to say new paragraph, even though that's not what's actually happened. Three hours later, (laughs) (laughs) I did not kill her. I did not. Detective Jones liked living in Bozeman. It still had that small town feel despite the recent growth and the weather. It just started to cool off, giving the morning air the perfect bite to wake you up. I don't want to hear about bites after the last story. Yeah, no joke. Jones, the captain yelled, gesturing for him to step into the office. There's an old woman sitting at your desk with her two young grandkids. The mother didn't come home last night, the captain explained. But before you go talk to them, I need you to see the surveillance footage the grocery store sent us. They sent it last night when they found an abandoned van with a full load of groceries sitting nearby.
1: Now, what happened? She disappeared. And she was pulled to this figure. I guess. But I watched the footage, Ryan, and I have to say, it was not convincing. Like, I watched it going, this looks like, you know, kind of manufactured footage. Right. And she doesn't disappear or anything. What happens is it's this woman sitting in a, in a parking garage. I think it's a woman. And she puts down her grocery bags. And when she bends over, this thing whooshes past her, and all the alarms start going off. And that's it. That's, that's the video. And I don't feel like there's enough to go on on this movie. So I'm going to say, not green light from me. I will say he made her far more than um,
2: one dimensional in she, this story. Yeah. Because he gave her the story, and the mom was kind of nagging her to be a better mom for the kids and everything. Yeah. And so it gave her a reason to go to she the show. She watches Law and Order. Exactly. And so there's a lot going on, but there's there is too much mystery. I'm okay with not showing the monster totally or keeping everything a, a mystery, but there's too much mystery here. There it needs to be so fleshed no, out into so not, not green light. Okay.
0: Jake? I would green light these ideas actually because it's it's interesting and like the you know that feeling of something like going over your head just barely missing mm-hmm. you know like that's something I've, I've felt before but it's never i've never heard it in it,
2: like a horror context well it before. almost
1: feels like jeepers creepers to me have you seen that one a long time ago because that one there's kind of a whooshing past you kind of thing that happens but. i
2: do like the and we talked about this last year with the woman in the elevator i do like that Why, when a why'd they, you bring her i know i you? had to when there's a supernatural presence that's in our modern day oh yeah that was creepy you know and so when someone is acting in a strange behavior or the alarms are going off or whatnot mm-hmm. when something is caught on camera and no one in the story has no idea what's going on or yeah. it's just a big mystery yeah but for the movie viewer that's too much of a mystery
1: okay yeah, so good, not green light good, good feedback yeah
2: that's
1: yeah. what i do all right this next one's from david stewart i'll be pitching uh us title dawn of the dummies international international title cpr doesn't save it kills <laughs> yes the tagline: A single father of two discovers his desire to save life ends up only hurting the ones he loves. I like that, it has a U.S. and international. I know title. that's perfect. Like, that's uh, filming location: the wheat of uh, wheat fields of Wisconsin, just after the great cheese harvest. Wow! God, heavens. Actors, you got Tom, uh, Nathan Fillion, Young Haley Joel Osmond, Young Dakota Fatting. I like he's going back in time with these. Right, Tom Cruise. Nick <laughs> you can do he <laughs> <He's>, yeah, <laughs> It is what he
2: wants. Hey, play by our rules. I Directed mean, by Tom David Cruise Lynch. and Nathan
1: Fillion are in the same movie, so <laughs> that's pretty much the same thing. It's awesome. I like how Tom Cruise is like a supporting character too. Uh, directed by David Lynch. Soundtrack by Daft Punk. And I like that Nathan Fillion's character's name is Fred Gutierrez. Wait, I like how
2: Denise, <laughs> Denise
0: Richards, and he doesn't want back in time Denise Richards. He wants lunch lady Linda. <laughs> Denise That's Richards. Perfect. <laughs> yes.
2: I love this story already. All right, here we go.
1: A so single father of two is just, is just barely getting by after his breadwinner wife dies in a car accident. To help feed his family, Fred becomes certified in CPR and, cra- and cashes out his wife's insurance policy to help buy a set of nice CPR dummies off eBay. Do they really cost, like, an entire life insurance policy? They might. And I'm sorry, that would seem a little suspicious if you're cashing out this policy. I'm buying some, CPR your dummies. It's fine. This includes a torseless adult male, an anatomically correct female. Dave. (laughs) (laughs) A full-body child and an infant. Little does Fred know, his dummies were made by recycled plastic used in a mortuary in Louisiana. This plastic's horrible past results in a day Fred will never forget. It probably ties back into the story, Joel. Uh... Fred lands a job in a small town teaching his kids about CT- CPR. He's extremely excited about his new opportunity. Not only can he feed his children, he can help the local community. The first weeks go great. He's happy about fulfilling his life and the life-saving skills he's teaching the local residents. A few weeks into his job, he's invited to teach CPR at his children's high school. He's excited not only to teach, but also to show off for his kids. The night before he teaches, his phone keeps going off. Whoever is on the other end keeps hanging up. Finally, he gets frustrated, yells into the phone, and then quietly hears... Baby shark, oh. do 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 doo No, doo, doo, baby shark, doo do 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 do. The voice is quiet, shaky, and eerily subtle. He's not quite sure what to make of it, but sh- but shakes it off, assuming it's a prank. A prank. The next morning, he shows up to his kid's schools, primed and ready to show the world how to save lives. As he pulls into the parking lot, he hears a slight shuffle from his trunk. He doesn't think anything of it. Principal Fitz, who by the way was played by Tom Cruise, remember. <laughs> welcome <laughs> th- <reminded> me. Actually. <laughs> wel- uh, welcomes Fred to the door and shows him the, to the 11th grade, grade classroom his first stop everything goes well the students are excited laugh at the mouth-to-mouth performance and he packs up and moves on to the 10th grade classroom I don't think the anatomically correct thing is going to come up ever again Jacob <laughs> <laughs> full circle Jacob. we'll see, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Mr. Henry opens the door and shows him where to set up the CPR shop As Fred is talking about what to do in the event of someone is choking, the small baby mannequin's leg twitches. He doesn't notice, but a student in the back of the room does. He jumps up, scared, as the other students laugh at him. Fred continues the demonstration when the baby begins to twitch some more. This time, several students notice the movement. A girl begins to cry. Fred sees this movement out of his peripheral vision in a split second the baby is leaping onto mr henry's desk he grabs some scissors and begins to swing wildly at the students. wow blood sprays across the door window dave like this is the worst <laughs> thing we've seen in I the just stories say, and at this point it's every person for themselves Like <laughs> <laughs> how you keep calling him out i know him <laughs> dave, come on <laughs> i know him i really hope we get back to the anatomical atomic <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> not gonna <laughs> happen <laughs> Fred abandons his dummies and bolts out the door, hustling as many students along with him as possible. In an effort to get everyone out of the building, Fred pulls the fire alarm. It's complete chaos as all the dummies are now fully animated, twitching and moving. At this point, Rob Zombie's living dead girl begins to play in the background. <laughs> <A> <laughs> little editor's specific. note yeah, for that. Exactly. <laughs> These dummies, originally meant to teach life skills, are now reaping life for their own cruel pleasure. Fred remembers, but both of his kids are in the high school. Oh good, I'm glad now he remembers. <laughs> He scrambles in and out of the classrooms, trying to find them. While looking, teachers and students are being sliced, bitten, grabbed, and deprived of their life-giving air. Oh, that's good. Good heavens, This Dave. is like a Doctor Who episode, this, though. This Let's is like honest. a Doctor totally. Matt episode. Is. We yeah. need Doctor Matt in this. <laughs> Fred finally finds Angelina. I'm assuming that's his daughter. Yes. Uh, Young that's, Dakota, that's Dakota, Fanning? Dakota Fanning. That's right. Yes. Hearing her scream from the lunchroom. Ironically, Sloppy Joes are on the menu. Meat splattering on the gl- ground is shown against visuals of blood pooling up on cheap asbestos back tiles. Oh my word! Needs therapy, Dave. <laughs> Angelina manages to throw. Angelina manages to show Fred where Desmond is hanging out. They all run as a torseless dummy waddles at full speed towards them. They manage to kick the dummy over, hold him down with a book bag, and get out of the school. As they leave, they can see Principal Fritz slumped over the rose bush, blood oozing out of his ear. Bye, Tom. <laughs> Everyone is horrified by the lifeless, faceless dummies as they twitch towards their next victims. Fred realizes it's partially his fault, and he needs to take care of business. He goes back to his house and loads up on his doomsday arsenal. He grabs his SKS machete, gas mask, pepper spray, and trusty Vietnam war surplus canteen. He had a lot of time. While those kids are getting murdered. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a school. Of their (laughs) their (laughs) life-giving air. (laughs) Arming up. (laughs) He's like
0: across the street, hopefully.
1: Um, yeah. Where was I? <laughs> oh, there we go. He sends his children ba- into his backyard bomb shelter, hoping this will keep him safe. After hours of searching their roads, explosions, battles, and screams, he ends up back up at his house. At Oh, back up this, uh, this house? I'm assuming his house. This house to check on his children. Fred enters the bomb shelter to find his children at knife point by the toddler dummy. Not thinking twice about it, he grabs a canister of gas and begins to splash it over the dummy. The gasoline begins to cause the plastic on the dummy to melt. The CPR dummy begins to screech, wiggle, and writhe in pain. Before you can completely take care of the melted dummy, it hobbles away, screaming, Swim away, doo do doo-doo, doo do swim away, do doo doo-doo, doo The end? <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> is, is this a horror comedy? <laughs> it's got to be. I mean, dummies. These are dummies coming to life, which, by the way, Dave, big, big missed opportunity, because one of the parts of that, that awful... A baby shark song that get stuck in your head is one of them. Is they say time to hunt? Do do, do oh do, yeah do, do do do. They could have been singing that in unison as they're attacking people in the high that school. That is a missed opportunity. And to
2: not have Nicolas Cage in this movie
1: is a huge oh, missed opportunity. It's that Nathan, I Nathan Fillion, Fillion. Yeah, yeah, that would Like have been Nathan good. Fillion,
2: sure he's campy, but like nicholas cage yeah would or own bruce this. campbell would be good in there too and uh, maybe it's the principal i yeah. would say it's a yeah. principal Is yes that tom cruise yes. So, yeah. I yeah. Agree with although that. i think he hates tom That's cruise and wants to see him bleed from the ear apparently he does yes because i don't think tom would
1: take that role but just imagine these dummies hobbling on the torso cpr dummies i i it just seems so campy though because of um, that doctor who episode with those mannequins but still i have to say i'm gonna green light this I really hope that um,
2: Sheriff Dunn and Deputy Rogers go to investigate this city at some <laughs> point. And this is kind of an
1: anthology. Uh, it oh, seems exactly th- like something they would check out. I think out. we have a
2: future podcast on this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff Dunn. Dunn, Deputy Rogers. But, uh, I'm greenlining it with the caveat that you must seek therapy, Dave, because the anatomically correct and the blood splatters and there's, there's something going on here. Dave mouth. should have brought it back into it. Okay. As a full on horror comedy. Yes, I would greenlight this. I would see this
2: and enjoy this in the most ironic way possible. Okay. Jacob? It feels like it would be a Doctor Who episode. Yes. And uh, it, it'd, be, it'd either be
0: one of those ones that were like terrible and you wish you'd never seen or like one of those awesome standalones that <laughs> that you remember and quote. Like It could be terrible or it, it could be good. Yeah. Who knows? Alright, the next story I will be reading and representing is by Scott Sprague. 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 Sorry, Scott. It's been a long time, so I'd forgotten again. Sprague. It is... Fall, 1986, Richmond, British Columbia. Canadian horror. Canadian horror, the scariest of all. (laughs) Cindy finally made it home from a long shift working as a nurse at the local hospital. Although the hours were long, Cindy didn't mind as it kept her away from home where she had no one but her pets to keep her company. Poor Cindy. Pulling into the driveway, Cindy ran from her car to the front door with nothing but the porch light to illuminate the dark night. Why is she running? Upon opening the door, Cindy's stomach dropped. From the doorway, Cindy could see the flashing light of the answering machine, indicating that someone had left her a message. She didn't know who had left the message, but she knew the purpose of the message. She hit play. Cindy dead meat.
1: This is the true story of Cindy James. Now, this is a true story. Okay. And I actually clicked on that YouTube link to see can, what, can the, I hear it? what the message sounded like. And I want I want you guys and the listener at home to hear it. You okay. guys ready for this? Okay.
2: <gasps> no. That is creepy. That is no. creepy. That is really creepy. I just got the chills. is this, crazy. This is a true story. Okay. Keep reading. I will not even interrupt this one.
0: Four months after separating from her husband in June of 1982, Cindy began receiving harassing phone calls from an unknown male. Sometimes he would stay silent, and sometimes he would whisper threats. Like that one we just heard. The phone calls turned into threatening notes. She would wake up to her phone lines being cut. She would find dead cats in her yard with threatening notes attached to them. Then, physical attacks began in January 1983 Cindy's friend Agnes discovered Cindy on the ground with nylons oh. tied around her neck Jeez! Cindy hired a private investigator who gave her a two way radio late one night the PI heard strange noises on the radio upon arriving at Cindy's house to investigate the PI found Cindy, Cindy lying on the floor with a paring knife stabbed through her hand oh. with a threatening note attached to her hand or to the knife
1: it doesn't matter. She got
0: stabbed. I like how, like... I'm trying to light it up because this is really creepy. It seems like we're a little past the threatening note at I know, this point. Yeah, I know, It's like, well, you I stabbed, stabbed. You through the hand, stabbed through the hand, and there's but a this note is, to Keep in mind, you. this is based on a true story. She later said she saw a man enter her house before being hit over her head. Poor Cindy. In December 1985, Cindy disappeared. She was found six miles from her home with black nylons wrapped around her neck cuts and bruises on her body and suffering from hypothermia she claims to have not remembered
1: what happened this is true this is true okay
0: i, I actually did a lot of research on this after reading this pitch Ugh. cindy decided to move away and to change her name she made friends with the woodcocks she frequently asked the woodcocks to stay over once while staying the night once while staying the night cindy and the woodcocks woke to the burglar alarm going off That's, that was my same in college. Cindy and the Woodcocks, yeah. Huh.
2: <laughs> kind of I think I play? think I listened
0: to you guys actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they found that the basement door had been removed, but could find no one. The following year, the Woodcocks were once again staying with Cindy. The three were woken up to find that the basement was on fire. They also found that the phone lines had been cut. Mr. Woodcock ran outside to ask a neighbor to call for help when he saw a man standing outside. Mr. Woodcock yelled for the man to call for help, but the man ran away. The police were involved, but they were always skeptical of the harassment. Was Cindy doing this to herself? Cindy would eventually be committed to a psychiatric ward as she became suicidal. She would stay in the hospital for 10 weeks. Cindy thought the ex-husband was the one to blame, but he always denied involvement. What was happening to Cindy? Who was doing this to her? On May 25th, 1989, almost seven years after the first phone call, Cindy disappeared. Her car was found in a parking lot with groceries and a gift inside. Blood was on the car door, but Cindy was nowhere to be found. Two weeks later, her body was found. Her hands and feet were bound together behind her back, a nylon was tied around her neck, but an autopsy would reveal that she died from a morphine overdose. The police would rule her death a suicide. Cindy's family believe that she was murdered. The coroner did not rule her death as suicide or a murder, but an unknown event. To this day, no one knows what happened to Sydney, only that
1: she is truly... Me. That sounds Uh-oh. like... This doesn't sound like a guy's voice. No, okay, so here's the thing. The thing about this story is we could do an entire episode on this story because there is so many, so many question marks here. Bacon sell true crime. <laughs> it's going to happen. Because oh, that, that should happen. Like she, uh, she was having the harassment for years and the cops kept saying it was her doing it to herself, that she actually either but, was looking for attention or that she had a split personality and they kept saying that. And so like that phone call, when I listen to them, I'm like that kind of sounds like a woman voice. Right. But then she, uh, I mean, she called them, I think it said in a two year span, she called the police 90 times for harassment, for for these unknown harassments. She got these okay. letters. Sure. And like, but they kept saying it was her. And she stabbed herself in the hand and yeah. kind of tied herself up. But yeah. then, but then like when they found her, her body, she, her, her hands were bound. And like, I'm like, how can she commit? Then they said it was a suicide. And I'm like, how do you, and, and there were like, there kept
2: being people around. There kept being a guy who ran away and everything like that. I'm, I'm yeah. greenlighting this crap just so I can get an answer to this question. I don't
1: think you will, though, because it's still an unsolved mystery. I yeah, watched it in the movie. The they to oh, do this it. This is fascinating. So, yeah, I'm going to greenlight it because it was one of those true crime stories that I, I went down the rabbit hole and, and learned a lot more than I should have because I was intrigued oh, by the green story. Oh, greenlight, because even after she changed her
2: name and actually did the right thing to to get away from that situation... Whatever it was, kept following her. She hired
1: a private investigator and then moved in with her. Then she had a relationship with as he was investigating her harassment claims. It's just, it's so many weird things going on here. There is. Yeah. Holy cow. So good. Okay. Green light on that one.
2: All right. The next one, this is the last one from the listeners or the last one we're going to read tonight is called Meme and it's from Spencer Myers. Meme.
1: Meme. Meme.
2: New to his small town, Rick didn't quite know how he would fit in with the locals. All that he had ever known was now behind him. So when he was approached by a cute girl, he felt almost vindicated. And when she asked to show him a funny video, he felt like he was finally about to enter into her good graces. But the funny video wasn't all that he was expecting. It's like most memes. Right. (laughs) I'm really sorry, her eyes seemed to say. He felt as if something had stuck with him, but what? He grew more restless as the days passed. In the wind, Rick thought he could hear a melodic voice in the wind. Give up, it seemed to say, drawing near. Soon people in town started to vanish. No one able to explain the sudden deaths of normally healthy people. Each day he felt the voice nearer, and nearer it grew. Give up. Almost as an accent to the rustle of the leaves and the never-ending bite of the winter's cold, Rick goes back up to his friend and asks her what the video was all about, and if she had any answers to the strange disappearances and the voice that almost daily grew. I know what the video was. It is now up to Rick to find out. It is now up to Rick to find out what is really going on in the sleepy town. The deaths, why that video seemed to, to now haunt him, and what that voice was that followed him. It seemed almost everywhere. Yearning for answer, driven mad by the voice that follows, give up. It haunts Rick, and he'll open Pandora's box, seeking the answers. Up until what might be even the end of his own sanity, and maybe even the sanity those he ultimately must sacrifice in pursuit of his answers, and before the voice catches up with him pursuing these answers. Or perusing these answers. Yes, all that. Okay, so this is directed by James Wan, and he's going to go pretty classic here. So who did The Conjuring? It's starring Patrick Wilson as Rick Rollins, Vera Farmiga as the girl, Rick Astley as the voice. Awwww! Because he's it. never going to give you up. I get it. In fact, this story is, he sent me a template of the story and it has to be outlined specifically because the first line of the first word in every line mm-hmm. are the lyrics to the song. It is very specifically <laughs> written, Spencer Myers, you are a crazy person.
1: No, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean the first word of each one? It's not in this because this is in a yeah. word document. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well done. You spent so much time to rickroll us all. And this I didn't movie is even called pick
1: up on that. Rickroll
2: or meme. But yes, we, we've all just been Rickrolled. I'm not greenlighting that. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> wants to see that. But I would love to hear like a horror Paint version of the Rickroll. Yeah. And like you don't really know what it is till the Never end. i got to give you up.
0: <laughs> that was horrifying.
1: All right. Hey, guys, uh, you know you. what? Thank you. And thank you, yes. listener, for all of those submissions. We, we enjoyed reading them. Uh, the ones we didn't get to, we're sorry. We, we did read all of them, though, off the air and mocked them all relentlessly. <laughs> but, you know, we only could mock <laughs> so many on yeah. the air. And really, I mean, don't, I, I want to say this. We did not treat these stories any differently than we would treat each other's pitches. Yes, if you've heard so any of true. our pitch shows, you know that we, we, we take
2: forever mocking each other. Yeah. Yep. It's just part of who the, the show is. Yes, but thank you very much. We hope that you guys are okay with us. You know, having a little bit of fun because now you can mock us. That's right. It's our yeah. turn to give our pitches.
0: Because it's so. not really fair. They do it, and without us, you know, now... They do it in the comments. The table's turn. Yeah. All right, Joel, you're going to go first? Yes, I'm going to go first.
1: And, man, pitches are not easy for me, but I had this idea... I wanted to go with it. It's a little out there, but I hope you guys will enjoy. Is it a Rickroll? Okay. I cannot wait to Do make we have notice. a synopsis? Do we have a description? Who's I'm jumping, in it? I'm jumping
0: right into it. Okay. Do we have characters with our names? No. Because if you don't, you should start
2: over. Would with. you like to add a deputy and a sheriff? I think your story needs Can a I deputy. Can I read the pitch?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, we never let you. Elizabeth Kimball woke up in a daze in the middle of the street. She tried to figure out where she was and how she got there. She stood up and took inventory of her surroundings. She saw a broken down car not too far away. Next to the car there was an old rusty wheelbarrow and a boot caked in mud. The rest of the street was dark and empty. Nothing was making any sense. She saw a boardwalk near a lake in the distance behind her. The water lazily lapping in the moonlight, but still no other people. Suddenly a small dog ran past her legs. Elizabeth yelped and jumped, and then she heard someone softly laughing. Elizabeth looked up to see an old man staring down at her from a balcony a few stories up on a nearby building. He was dressed in a tuxedo and wore a top hat on his bald, shiny head. He leaned on his cane and grinned a toothy grin under his white mustache. He didn't say a word. He just kept giggling and staring. Elizabeth shivered and started walking up the street ahead of her, away from the peering eyes of the bald man. She spied a street sign which read Mediterranean, but that didn't help her know where she was so she just kept walking ahead, trying to find someone who would help her and put that awful man further behind her. The cold air rushed through her, so Elizabeth pulled her coat tighter and felt an odd lump in her pocket. She reached her hand in and found a wad of money. She did a quick count and found that she was holding $1,500 in cash. She strained to try to remember where she had gotten it, but everything was a blank and it hurt her head to think about it. It felt like she had been there forever and she was so tired, so, so tired. Elizabeth walked past a few more blocks, past a string of dark houses and came upon an old rail yard. A large civil war era cannon stood in the center of the yard among the interweaving tracks. As she stared at this unusual sight, a dark figure glided out from behind the cannon and rushed swiftly towards her. You must leave this place now or pay the price, it growled. Elizabeth screamed and ran away. She glanced behind, but the shadow wasn't following her, so she slowed down and caught her breath. She then realized that she was standing outside a prison on a street corner. There were windows all along the wall and in each window was a prisoner with his hands on the bars, staring at her, not saying a word. Elizabeth froze in fear. Stop looking at me, she screamed, but none of the prisoners moved. They just kept staring. And then she heard faint laughing behind her. She turned to see the bald man walking slowly towards her, his cane tapping on the pavement. Elizabeth had no choice but to run again, keep moving forward then next to an abandoned utility building she saw an old hotel with a lamp glowing in the window she tried to go inside but the front door was locked then a police officer appeared from a nearby alleyway oh thank goodness elizabeth sighed please help me i'm lost and i'm scared and i don't know what's going on the officer smiled do you own this place elizabeth cocked her head confused no do you want to the officer replied what elizabeth said The hotel, the property, it's for sale, the officer said. It could all be yours. You want money? Elizabeth yelled. Here. And she pulled the $1,500 from her pocket and held it out towards the officer. Oh no, he said calmly. I don't want your money. You have to pay the banker. Who's the banker? She yelled after him. What is going on? The police officer scowled. I think you'll have to come with me. Elizabeth was taken to the prison she saw early in the night and despite her protests was locked in a cell by herself. As she sat there, the inmates in the other cells wouldn't stop staring at her. She shook the bars on her cell door. Let me out, she cried. And then the inmates started whispering. It's not your turn, Elizabeth. Wait, your turn. Elizabeth plugged her ears, closed her eyes, and curled up on the small bed in the corner of her room, wishing it would all go away. She must have fallen asleep because when she woke up, a few hours had passed. As chance would have it, she spied a small card lying on the small table in the jail cell. She picked it up and examined it confused and realized it was a security badge then she noticed a small keypad next to her cell door she pressed the card to the keypad and the door swung open at first she tried to sneak out of the jail as quietly as possible but then she noticed that no one was taking notice of her walking out they all kept their heads down it's as if they were allowing it to happen she burst out the doors into the abandoned street was horrified to see the bald man was there waiting for her she turned and ran away from him further up the street her her brief bout of sleep giving her renewed energy however after many blocks her legs were exhausted her lungs were crying for air but she didn't want to stop she didn't want to see those faces staring at her again she didn't want to see the bald grinning man she just kept running and running then just beyond another sign that read pennsylvania avenue she noticed the same boardwalk she saw when she first woke up somehow she had gone in a circle then she heard the now familiar tapping of the bald man's cane followed by his quiet chuckling. Elizabeth ran, but she had nowhere to go now. She had reached the end of the boardwalk. The bald man slowly walked towards her. Tap, tap, tap. She considered jumping in the water, but before she could, he was at her side, smiling and laughing quietly. She could feel his breath on her shoulder. What do you want? Elizabeth cried. I want to give you your salary, Elizabeth, he calmly replied. Here it is, $200. You may go now. Then he vanished right in front of her eyes, and suddenly she was back, staring at the sign for Mediterranean Avenue, next to the car, the wheelbarrow, the boot, and the dog, forever caught in the bald man with the top hat's never-ending game of psychological torture.
2: Woo! Woo! <laughs>
0: yay the question is listener how far along until you figured it out yeah yeah uh, i figured
2: you guys got it pretty quick right i was uh,
0: like oh so, this is something this is something and then ken had it I was so thinking, fast i was
2: thinking mr peanut for a little bit yeah and then there's a white mustache Yep. and then you know
1: mediterranean mediterranean avenue it didn't say avenue at first oh didn't it just said yes.
2: mediterranean oh my uh, gosh by the
1: way uh the direct it's gonna be directed by david lynch because it's a psychological thriller oh, oh the man. title is uncle Pennybags. Ooh, oh, and it's that's based, nice. It's Monopoly, guys. Yeah. It's Monopoly. Oh, it's For those so of you good. who didn't pick up on it yet. Uh, and uh, the but Uncle Pennybags will be played by Matt Lucas, who you may know from Bridesmaids, Doctor oh, Who. Oh, yeah, he's creepy. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Elizabeth Olf- Olsen is going to be Elizabeth. Oh, perfect. By the way, Elizabeth Kimball. <clears throat> Elizabeth Kimble, Thimble. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey. You actually put so much freaking thought into this. There was a lot of Monopoly research. Uh, In fact, the name Elizabeth is because Elizabeth Maggie created the Landlords game, which was the grandfather of Monopoly. So it all comes together. Joel, I'm going to say that was kind of a long pitch. It was very long. Yes, it was. It was much longer than I anticipated it to be. But once I started writing, it just kept pouring out of me. That is possibly the best board game to movie adaptation <laughs> that could ever be made. I want to know, though. I want to know, you listener, how soon did you catch on to what was going on? Because I almost was. Bu- I was almost bugged that we had uh, what's his buckets pitch right before this. Oh yes, the joke pitch. Because I was right. like, dang it, it's exactly kind of like mine.
2: But oh well, oh well. The thing I love is. Uh, if you've ever played the game PT on the PlayStation, it's kind of a residual haunting that you just have to go through a hallway again and again and again. Yeah. And that's what I love. The horror of never being able to leave somewhere. Yeah. And that's why I think it'd be perfect for Monopoly. In this movie, it would have to be seven hours long. That's what it's like playing Monopoly. <laughs> yes. Just nonstop. Until someone is a table swiper. I hope that someone who saves the day is a table swiper. Just, yes. Yeah. Green light. <laughs> Jake? yeah yeah i'll have to green light yeah that. <laughs> and just like it has to be played so serious like not even funny at all you know what again a good doctor who episode yeah stuck in a board game
1: mm-hmm. i could see that yeah i'd also accept Wonderful. supernatural but okay. i know i was i was trying to go for scary and i'm like i got nothing so then i went with joke so eh. but like it needs to be played straight
2: like i said it needs to be a scary monopoly movie yes all right can't, so kent, can't
0: we've actually run out of time you, i know we've only got you've only got 45 seconds <laughs> uh just to give us an idea of what yours was then we're gonna go
2: <laughs> don't do that to me don't you do haven't that. looked forward to this how long a, is your pitch kent it's yeah. about as long as yours oh crap yes <laughs> you ready yes so i have actors and i have a director as well uh, my main actor's name is don um and he'll be played by donald gleason okay uh, his wife, Julie, is played by Yvonne Strahovsky, who is Sarah from, from Chuck, Chuck yeah. and is directed by Jennifer Kent, who did The Babadook. Babadook. So here's the synopsis. Don seems to have a happy standard life, spending his time with his wife and son or going out with his friends. Though, when he sees something out of the corner of his eye, there's no place worse than home. Because sometimes when you look into the dark, the darkness looks back.
1: That's the tagline? Or like that the, is the IMDb synopsis. Oh, nice. You even did You went far on this one. It's what I do. The movie opens
2: up and we have the classic horror opening and you see the opening credits come up just like old school 70s movies and you get a slow moving tour of a house going through the hallway going through the living room going through the kitchen but the end of the credits starts at the top of the stairs and it's a slow moving zoom down slow moving zoom down the stairs to the basement yet you
1: see only darkness at the bottom Jacob he's doing camera movements in his pitch again
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah yes he he's describing the camera
2: Guys <laughs> it's what I do <laughs> <you know. laughs> Okay, you, you ready? Yes. Movie begins. <laughs> Page one is like exterior
0: <laughs> night. <laughs> I know.
2: Don wipes his eyes, trying to shake the image of what he saw out of his head. His wife is calling for him to help get their son to bed. He looks down the stairs again and says quietly to himself, I could have sworn I saw something. He then goes on to help his wife. As he lays in bed that night, the last image that he glimpses behind his closed eyelids is the shadowy figure standing at the bottom of the stairs, looking up. On day two, Don is having a conversation with his co-workers in the break room about weird dreams they've had lately. When they ask Don if he has had any, he says, I had a dream I was being watched. His friend interrupts. I'm always watching you, Don. The attempt at humor falls flat. Anyways, Don continues. It wasn't like there was someone outside my window watching me or even someone watching me while standing over my bed. Instead, it just felt like there was a thing somewhere in my house that knew exactly what I was doing. And it didn't even have to be watching me. It was just happy I was there. Hmm? He stops at the bar before he gets home for dinner. Julia has already f- uh, fed their son and has been waiting for dawn. I don't want him happy that you're there. <laughs> he apologizes and tells her that he's had a lot on his mind. And she asks if he's all right. He is looking downstairs and he sees it again. He can't w- deny what he saw twice in the very same place. He stays at work late the next night and gets home around seven. This is day three. He calls out for his wife and son, but no one is home. He texts her and she lets him know they ran to McDonald's. Suddenly... He gets to the stairs. He stops dead in his tracks and quickly shuts his eyes. If I can just get past the stairs without looking, I'll be just fine. Whatever it is, it just hangs out at the bottom of the stairs anyways. And sure, I've seen something, but it doesn't really affect me and nor should it. He keeps his eyes closed. Somehow, that makes it worse. In the short four seconds it took to dart back to the garage and drive away quickly, he couldn't help but think he was completely vulnerable. He avoided looking down the stairs for the next two days. On day six, Don puts his son, Jason, down for the night and is watching a show in the other room. Just then he hears a door creaking. Fearing nothing at this point and having a fading memory of the scare earlier in the week, he goes to check on Jason, but also mostly to replicate the sound he just heard. He checks on Jason and he moves the door slightly to get the same creak. Yes, it creaked, and I'm pretty sure that's the noise I just heard. Nice. Now press X to Jason. Yes, exactly. He turns back down the hallway, heading to the TV room, without fear, He intended to look down to the basement. As the wall ended and slid downward, he quickly darted his head around the corner looking down. It was staring at him. And it was halfway up the stairs. Before Don could scream, (laughs) it was gone. That didn't stop Don's surprise from knocking him backwards into the TV room. He didn't bother to get up and turn on any lights. He just lay there on his side, crying. Okay, so I'm going to pause here real quick. Okay. This is half my story. The thing is halfway up the stairs. Each day, it is coming up the stairs one step at a time. So I, I haven't written the rest out because
1: this is a story I'm actually writing. You, and that's the thing is when you as soon as I realized what story this was, I started yes. to get chills because you told me about this story before. Yes. On one of our walks, I think you told me. This oh, story. yeah. And I told this Jake a few years back. It's mm-hmm. creepy. This is a creepy story. So I'm going to give you some details of what will
2: happen in this story and maybe even the ending if you guys want it. So as uh, just some follow up, the next night, Don sees his uh, son playing on the stairs. And of course, at this point, he is terrified and he's like, no, no, no. Get off the stairs. Get off the stairs. And he looks and the thing is standing right above his son on the seventh step, mm. smiling at his son, well, like almost arm outstretched. And so then Don is like, what is going on? Why is this only happening to me? Why is it gone the next second? It really is just like, is it something teasing him? And so he tr- tries to fix everything in his life because his life is kind of a mess. You know, his wife's always disappointed in him. He, you know, goes to the bar whenever he can. He tries to avoid his family at times. So he tries to fix his life. But in the meantime, his wife, Julia, takes their son to her sisters, leaves the house because she's frustrated with the way Don's acting. And he's so focused on this thing, trying not to, to get it from stop coming up the stairs. And here's the thing he fixes everything he can, but it takes him until day 11. There are 12 steps. Okay, 12 steps in the stairway. And also with AA. Yes, exactly. But on day 11, he sees it on the second to last stair, almost face to face with him. This thing's wearing a light, like shabby gray suit. It kind of looks like the thing from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Nice time. Hey. And he sees that he almost gives up hope. But guess what? He's already fixed a lot of things in his life. And on day 12, when he thinks this thing is ready for him, it's still there on the second to last step. And it never comes closer it's always on that step he goes crazy and he moves to a place he can never live anywhere with stairs that are coming up again it's always ranch homes ramblers or whatnot his wife eventually leaves him takes their son because women hate ramblers (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly and it's 20 years later do you guys want to hear the end yeah okay we're we're this far it's 20 years later he goes to the funeral for his wife who just passed away he shows up and his son is obviously mad at him for how his father basically abandoned the family and got a little crazy. And he gets in a huge fight with his son. Don goes home, goes into his room and starts drinking, takes a drink. And as he's sitting there, just sitting on the floor, just miserable and depressed. He hears a knock right on his bedroom door, which was closed. And he knows what it is. Scene changes. All of a sudden, Jason comes in to go check on his dad because they got in a big fight. And growing up, Jason, at this point, he opens, you know, goes in the house. Dad, Dad, are you here? Dad, where are you? Opens up the bedroom door and sees this emaciated figure that looks just like the thing coming up the stairs, dead on the ground. Man. So Jason's about to go call 911, and, but he's, like, still fuming. He's angry at his dad. Then all of a sudden, he walks by, and he kind of looks in the distance and looks down, thinks he hears something. And there about 137 stairs down something's coming up the stairs for him wow okay
0: about 137 that's, that's yeah a, let's just a say a lot of stairs what, you know, well, that's what the house thing. has
2: 137 stairs i'm saying these house are leaves. these are these are demons these are your own personal demons that could be at stair 1000 it oh, could so be it's, s- it's like a uh, there, every day of your life there's like an imaginary some, staircase yes, not imaginary exactly but, yeah. metaphorical staircase yeah, okay but there is a demon that is coming to get you and fate will get you eventually based on what your vice or demon is jeez Kenny's and, and dark. jason's story or jason's vice is the anger at his dad okay and this story is called 12 steps I mean, it's very in your face, not subtle at all, mm-hmm. but I've always been chewing on this idea. I'm going to finish writing it and then we'll eventually record an episode and, you know, play it. But cool. Yeah. It's 12 steps.
1: Wow. Yes. Well, that took a serious turn <laughs> near the end. Went from Monopoly to alcoholism, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a natural, natural course yeah. of a <laughs> board game. You play yeah. monopoly, it's a longer you to show. Yeah. <laughs> Good heavens, fellas. Yeah. Well, this, this, uh, I was going to say, this was a fun episode to do. Yes. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it because we had a good time. Uh, thank you for your submissions again. So we really much. appreciate it. And uh, and we hope you're enjoying your Halloween season. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with QuickWits. They perform every Saturday at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page.
2: If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. Mm-hmm. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com.
0: You can find me on Twitter at Jacob A. Rogers as well as Bacon Sale on Twitter at Bacon Sale and Instagram at Bacon Sale and on our Facebook page. Go like us there. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, if you want to get some of our merchandise, there's some new stuff there. Uh, in fact, there's even some new uh, Halloween festive, uh, very
2: cool shirts. Yeah, yeah from uh, uh,
0: Ninth Mountain Threads. Yep, so that looks pretty cool. Uh, go check that out. That's uh, tpublic.com/slash bacon sale. And as always, uh, you've got, as we mentioned at the beginning, you've got nine days left to cash in on uh, Kent. Uh, drawing you a picture and he doesn't even want me to advertise this because he's so behind yes so uh if you do want to torture kent uh go join patreon uh patreon.com slash bacon sale and uh if you'll notice i did not have a pitch tonight um but just as a little teaser next week listener i'm gonna be in charge of that episode yeah and joel and kent do
1: not know what's coming Mm. i can't wait that'll be the end of our halloween so until next time baby shark do 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 jacquiz but if
2: you make it to the end of this show and I think you should (laughs) (laughs) do you feel like you're already going there? you're going there (laughs) you laughed you're an accomplice Carlo Cugino this time he died Oh, oh that was abrupt
0: yeah that was actually a run on sentence too the possession is made easier when someone is high on weed
2: Alzheimer's, al- <laughs> <Altizers>. Altizer. <laughs> Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer, 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 Alzheimer's, Alt-T means There's no T in there. Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's.
1: <laughs> Je <J'cuse. laughs> From the mic, from the mic, from the microphone. Jump out of bed and stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. I don't know this song, but I like it. Working nine to
0: five. What a way this to make a living. Is the sound of music, living. too? <laughs> but how much is a natural amount of volume is what I want to know.
1: So
2: when I pursue a woman, am I really perusing it
1: depends. woman? It okay. depends. <laughs> Unabashedly, I, I like Gilmore Girls. Like I'm into that. You perusing that? Alzheimer's. <laughs> Alt. Alt- <laughs> Alzheimer's. We have most advanced algorithm for <laughs> checking grammar.
2: We're not on salary, done. If there's a story about YouTubers, I'll want them to die anyways. <laughs> I think I want to be Nip. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 7 exchange- <laughs> <laughs> Holy freak goodness. <clears throat>
0: yeah. <laughs> Holy freak goodness. Holy freak goodness. <laughs>